Hi everyone, Demetrius McRae here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. As we are in our season of healing, just so you know, we are worshiping on campus and making sure that our worship experiences are safe and sanitary. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. As you can tell, Pastor Rayleigh is not here, and uh, so I am left with the responsibility to give you some word today, and I feel like preaching a little bit. I feel like sweating a little bit, spitting a little bit, whatever it may take. Uh, I feel a prophetic utterance in my belly today. Uh, I didn't come just to talk. I came to say something that God wants to say to you. Uh, I know some of you ask, they say, you say, Pastor Josh, where, where, where you been? We don't see you as often. Well, the truth is we've got more campuses now than we've ever had. And so somebody's got to make sure these campuses become like this campus already is. And so I'm preaching on campuses every weekend, Pastor and myself. And just let you know, I love you, but I'm ready to preach today. I feel this thing deep down in my spirit. Uh, how many came for the word today? You came to get a word from God. I want to say this before I preach, but it's very important that as you mature as a believer that you don't come just to receive a word, you come to retain a word that you receive. Uh, I think some of the tragedy is, is when we come in this room and hear a word, but don't take that word home with us and make that word stick. You do know that church changes when you stop just receiving word and retaining word, because when you start retaining word, this is not a gathering by which you are entertained. When you start retaining word, this becomes a gathering by which you are equipped to do the next great thing in God that God has already destined for you to do. How many came just not to receive one, but to retain one today? If you have your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 3, uh, 2 Kings chapter 3, and I want you to hear me not so much preach, but prophesy today. We are winding down what has been probably one of the most chaotic and crazy years that any of us probably have ever experienced, but God has a plan. How many ready to hear what God has a plan to accomplish? 2 Kings chapter 3, starting verse 13. If you're ready, shout amen. Let's go to work today. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you, nor would I see you. But now bring me a musician, a minstrel. Then it happened that when the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches, 
For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you and your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand, and also you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city, and shall cut down every good tree, and shall stop up every spring of water, and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Last verse, and now it happened. Because how many know it's going to happen? Oh, y'all. How many know if God said it, it's, it's going to happen? If God says it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I don't know who that's for, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen. If God said it, it's going to happen. Now it happened. Now it happened in the morning that when the grain offering was offered, that suddenly water came by the way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. I came to prophesy for the next few minutes. I came to talk to you, not really with a statement. So if you're taking notes and looking for a title, I didn't come with a statement. I came with a prophetic question from heaven because, this, because it's not the fact that God is going to send water. God told me to ask the question, can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you or are you prepared for what God is just about to do in your life? If you're ready, slip up your hands. Father, I thank you for what I feel today. Open up our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. And as you're seated, just look at somebody on your row. Say, can you dig it? Can, can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I think it's important in this room today to know that anytime the winds of chaos and crisis blow in the lives and that we live or in the country that we're in or in the times that we, dis, uh, that we have been dispensed into, it is important for us to make sure that as believers that we are rooted in sound doctrine. You're way too quiet on me already, but I said the truth is we ought to be the kind of people who are rooted and established in sound doctrine. It's important for us then to understand that winds will blow and crisis will come and chaos will try to move in. But those who are planted and rooted in sound, truth-filled doctrine will be able to weather the storm no matter how severe the storm is. But to be rooted in sound doctrine, you must be the kind of believer that makes a secondary investment, an investment in theology. For it is impossible to be rooted in sound doctrine if you never make it a priority to understand who God is. It will be hard to win in life if you don't understand the God you serve and the strength he has and the might that he uses to prevail on your behalf. We must be people who are rooted in sound doctrine, invested in theology, because the truth is sometimes just to get victory in chaotic times, all you have to do is remind yourself of who God is. Oh, you're way too quiet. I said sometimes in chaotic seasons and crazy seasons, if you want to find victory, all you have to do is stop for just a second and remind yourself of all that God already is in your life. Sometimes the victory doesn't come by trying to make your way through the chaos. Sometimes victory happens when you stand still long enough to say God is faithful and God is good and God is a healer and God is a deliverer. Sometimes your next victory is not in what you don't know it's in what you already know and haven't applied 
See, church would look a whole lot different in this room if you came in with the kind of praise about what you already know about God. What you already know is what unlocks what you don't know. And if you don't start there, you'll never see who God can be in your life. Every once in a while, victory can be established in chaos if you simply remind yourself he is who he says he is. Because the truth is, Perhaps one of the most undermined parts of theology and the study of God is to understand that God is a big God. We love to talk about his omniscience and his omnipresence, but, but let me just be real simple for just a moment. Can I be simple for just a moment? In simplicity, sometimes we forget God is big. Oh, how many believe God is big? How many know God is big? You don't have to believe it. You know it. You've seen how big God can be. You've seen him come into your hospital room. You've seen him come into your bedroom. You've seen him come into your family. You've seen him come into your life. You've seen him show up in your bank account. You've seen him walk in a room. And you know God is big. But to say God is big is to undermine it because God is more than big. God is limitless. Oh, can I work this just a little bit? Give me just a few minutes. I said, God is limitless. God cannot be limited. They tried to find out the measurements of God, and they found out God cannot be measured. One old song said he's so high, I can't get over him. He's so wide, I can't get around him. He goes so deep, I can't get under him. Because the God you serve this morning is not some God, and he's not a God amongst gods, but he is the God that is above every other God, and he is is limitless. I wish I had some believers in the room that could take about five seconds and just appreciate that you don't serve another God, but you serve the, oh hallelujah, limitless, unlimited God. If you see me praise crazy every once in a while, it's just because I remembered how big he is. If you see me jump a little bit, I realize God is bigger than cancer. I realize how little cancer is. I realize how little disease is. I realize how little my struggle is when I put everything I'm facing up against how big and limitless he is. We won't have to beg you to praise God if you realize how big God is. Always quiet. We wouldn't have to sing 10 songs and sing them over and over if you realize how big God is. Because if you realize how big God is, you wouldn't even need a band this morning. You wouldn't even need a worship leader. You wouldn't need me yelling in this microphone. If you knew how big God is, you'd come in this room. <laughs> worshiping and praising and saying this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad and we wouldn't have to beg you we'd have to bridle you God is a limitless God it's part of his makeup his nature it's part of the theology of God but the truth is even though God is limitless we are limited we are we are limited people. If you really look at it, we are limited people. In fact, everything God created is limited. Everything he ever made is limited. From creation is limited. The earth was without form and void and darkness on the face of the deep. And the first thing God said is let there be light. And from the moment he made light, he then made limits. Why? Because God is the kind of God that loves to feel what he forms. Oh, is this too deep this morning? 
I said he is the kind of God that loves to fill everything he forms. Everything God ever formed, it was his desire to fill it. And not just fill it, but to fill it to capacity. Now I know why the Apostle Paul said, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, well, what's the test of being filled? Can I do this? It's not in my notes. Here's the test of being filled is if you're in overflow. You don't even really know you're filled until your life moves into overflow. Because I watched them do a science experiment, and they thought the cup was filled, but then they started putting some drops in and a few more drops in, and they got more in it than what they thought. But one way they knew the cup was filled is when they stopped, the drops stopped filling the cup, and the cup began to spill over. Because I know you're full of the Spirit when you don't just come to church, but you are church when you leave church, and you evangelize, and you win people to Jesus, and you you're here and you're there and you're serving and you're loving people. Be filled. God fills what he forms. And he doesn't just fill it. He fills it to capacity. I made a man and until I saw the man's form, I did not breathe in him. Because why would I waste what I give if they don't want what I have? I heard somebody say the other day, I was in North Carolina sitting at a restaurant. Is this all right? Am I helping you so far? Watch this. I was at a restaurant, and somebody said behind me at a table, they said, well, at least the cup is half full. And I said, that's a lie because it may be half full of water, but the cup is always, always full of something. It may be half full of water, but the other half is still there. You do realize that it is unreasonable and illogical to think that you are not all the way full right now. The question is how much of God has of you? And how much do things have of you? Because you are always full of something. Here's what God wants you to know is that God has designed you to be always full all the way with him all the time. God said it's important for you to understand that I seek to fill all space in your life. I'm going somewhere. Hang with me. I seek to fill all space in all gaps. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Josh? Colossians 1.17 says that he, he is before all things and in him all things consist. What am I trying to tell? tell you. I'm trying to tell you this morning the reason you got to be filled is because God is a good gap filler. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. I said God is a gap filler. God knows how to fill in the gaps in your life. And I know you're not where you want to be. And I know you feel like you got some space in your life that God hadn't shown up in. But let me tell you, even though you don't see him, please know God knows how to fill the gaps uh, until you get to where he's called you to be. You do know the reason why that car accident didn't kill you and why the issues didn't take you over and why you haven't failed yet uh, and why you haven't been to pressed yet it's because every time there was a gap in your life between what God said and where you are please know that God said I'll get in the gap oh I wish I had about a hundred people that could thank God that even now in your life wherever you fell short God filled the gap wherever you're not making it God is filling the gap because God is a gap filler and somebody who believes it ought to give God some praise if you know God is filling the gaps God is a gap filler. He's a gap filler between a doctor's report and my healing. He's a gap filler between my despair and my destiny. God is a gap filling God. 
God fills the gap because God wants to fill all things full of himself. In our text today, there are three kings who have come together to fight one enemy. Three kings who have come together to fight one enemy. Three kings, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and the king of Edom. One is the northern kingdom, that's Jehoram. The king of Judah is Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom. They have come together to fight the Moabites. Three armies against one common enemy. Let me preach this like I feel it. Because we wouldn't have to fight for unity if we knew how to come against the common enemy. Preach, Pastor Josh. I said we wouldn't have to fight for unity amongst ourselves if we understood who our common enemy really was. We wouldn't have to worry about getting on Facebook and blasting each other and commenting on, on each other's stuff if we understood that we don't wrestle, oh, hallelujah, against flesh and blood anyway. We wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. If you understood who the enemy really was, you would understand we are better together than what we know than what we know you do know the enemy is scared to death for you to turn your attention off of people and get your attention on him because the moment we ever make up our minds to come after that devil with everything we have all hell will be on the run Three kings uh, fighting a common enemy. And when they convene, can I go deeper? When they convene and they come together, what their, their strategy is, is if we walk through the wilderness of Edom, we will be in the right place to attack. Because even three kings understood that you don't want to fight your enemy out of position. Huh. Can I be prophetic? Everything the enemy has tried to do in this season really comes down to one thing. It's to get God's people out of position. Everything the enemy has been doing, every tactic, every kill shot, everything he's brought against the church, all he's been trying to do is pull God's people out of position. Three kings understood that if we fight this enemy from the wrong position, even though, that we, even though we are more than them, we will still lose. Oh, hear me by the Holy Ghost. I said, even though we are more than they, we will still lose if we choose to fight our enemy outside of position. And so they said, we must walk through the, through the, the wilderness of Edom to make sure that when we fight our enemy, we fight him in position. Look at somebody say, get in position. Get in position. This is not a season for God to find you out of position. Come on, hear me by the Holy Ghost. This is not a season for you to be out of alignment. This is not a season for you to want to do your own thing and have your own agenda for what God is just about to do in the earth. God has to find a person and he has to find a people that are in position. We must be in position because what good is your purpose if you're out of position? What good is God's pouring if you're out of position? I watched a kid the other day go up to and put his cup up under the wrong thing and he hit the wrong button and it came out, but it wasn't hitting his cup. Why? Because the cup 
wasn't in position. And what good is it for God to pour out his spirit? I'm preaching better than y'all let know. What good is it for God to dump out favor and anointing and all these things you need to be who you are if you are not in position? I heard the Holy Ghost tell me to tell some people, it's time to get back in position. Even if I don't like it, I'm going to be in position. Even if I'm uncomfortable, I got to get in position. Because if I get in position, I don't have to fight for victory. Victory fights for me. When I get in position, I don't fight for favor. Favor comes to me. When I'm in the right position, I don't fight for promotion. Promotion comes to me because I'm in the right position. Look at somebody say, get in position. No, no, no. Get in position. Put your opinion away. Put your thoughts away. Put all that stuff away and get in position. They knew that even though their army was greater, if they didn't fight in position, they would still lose. Are you losing? Because you're not in position? Oh, it's quiet. Are you losing not because you don't love God, but simply because you're not in alignment with what God is doing? Get in position. They got in position to fight a common enemy. Come on, are you getting this? And the moment they got in position, getting in position took them walking through a long, dusty, dry wilderness that by the time they got in position, hear the text, they ran out of water. Have you ever been loving God, obeying God, going after God, and when you finally feel like you're getting close, you feel like you've run out of water. Let me put it in your world. Have you ever felt like you're getting closer to destiny, but you're getting low on energy? You're getting closer to what God promised you, but you're not sure you're going to have what it takes to have and to hold and to do everything with the thing God has given you. Have you ever felt like you were getting closer and you lost support? You, you ran out of support. Come on, somebody. The people you thought were going to be with you to help you accomplish what God said. All of a sudden, you reach down to find support, and you realize, I've ran out of support. Let me go deeper. Have you ever run out of resource? When you got ready to go do something big for God, and you said, here's my moment, and here's my time. I have been walking this journey as hard as it may be to get in position, and I have reached down to do my next big thing, and there's no resource. Let me tell you, oh, hallelujah, let me tell you what this really sounds like, when what running out of water really sounds like. It sounds like this. I was going to do this, but I didn't because I didn't have. And there are people in this room that wanted to go back to school, wanted to start a business, wanted to take your marriage to another level. Y'all way too quiet on me. You wanted to do something big for God, and you couldn't do something big for God because you said, I wanted to, but I couldn't because I didn't have. You, my friends, have run out of water. But can I prophesy for a second? Can I tell you what God told me to tell you? God told me to tell somebody in this room who's run out of water, he told me to tell you that just because you've run out of water, it doesn't mean you're not going to get there. Y'all are way too quiet in this 9 a.m. 
Because I, God told me to tell you, this ain't Pastor Josh's notes. God said in prayer to tell you that just because you ran out uh, doesn't mean you're not going to get there. In fact, in 2020, in the remaining weeks, uh, God is looking for some people who will make up their mind today and say, no matter what I face, uh, no matter what I have, or no matter what I don't have, I will, oh, hallelujah, get there. I've gained up my mind. Nothing's going to move me. Nothing's going to push me off my purpose. Nothing's going to shove me off my destiny. I've made up my mind. I've got some things God said I got to do, and I've got to get there. I'm going to get there despite your opinion. I'm going to get there despite what you think of me. I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you want to be in the journey with me. i got to keep moving because God said there is a there that I have to get to, and I'm going to get there. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that's made up your mind that in the final weeks of 2020, you've made up your mind. You're not quitting. You're not throwing in the towel. You're not finished. You're not giving up. You're not going to succumb to the opinions of people. God has been faithful. And because God has been faithful, I got to get there. I've got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there. I'm going to say it to you. Believe it. I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get to what God said. I got to get to the new ministry. I got to get to the business. I got to get to what God said. I got to get there. This is not the season for you to give up because with great faith comes great determination. I feel the anointing, and there's got to be some people in this room in a world where everybody's giving up that says, I'm not quitting. I've got determination because I got some faith, and I got to get there. I got to get there. I don't know if I'm talking, maybe I'm just preaching to me. I got to get there. I don't have another option. There is nothing to go back to. Uh, there is nothing back there for me. I've got to get there no matter what. Uh, you want to make hell mad? Make up your mind and then come in this room every once in a while and say, devil, despite what you're trying to do to me, my family and my body, guess what, devil? I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than anything that's around me in the world. And if God be for me, devil, who can be against me? Oh, I've got to get there. I hope you write that in big letters in your notebook. I will get there. I'm going to get there with no water. I'm going to get there with no support. I'll get there with no resources. I will get there. Do you hear me by the Holy Ghost? Three kings fighting a common enemy come through a wilderness. They have run out of water. Oh, but they've made up their mind with great determination. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm not going to let this thing kill me. I'm going to get there. I don't know why I can't get there. I can't, I can't get out of it. I'm not going to let it kill me. He's not going to let it kill you. You got to get there. You're going to get there. But if there is a blessing, can I go deeper? But if there is a blessing of running out of water, there is a blessing. The blessing is this. The blessing is sometimes God doesn't author the running out of water, but he allows it. Because there's something powerful about thirst. God doesn't author the running out of water. But if he ever allows you to run out of water, it's because he's trying to do something with your thirst that you wouldn't have done with your own thirst had you had it all by yourself. 
God will let you get thirsty. I'm preaching y'all this morning. God will let you get thirsty every once in a while so that you realize that what you think will satisfy you can never really satisfy you. We sang it this morning. As the deer pant for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. I found out if you come after God hard enough, you'll realize that drugs won't do it and alcohol won't do it and relationships won't do it and things won't do it. The only thing that will satisfy the thirst in your soul is if you ever get to a place where you say, you are the one that satisfies my soul. Thirst is an incredible thing because thirst has a way to drive you when you don't feel like you can be driven anymore. And their thirst drove them to a prophet. Now, before you shout about that, please understand that when I read that, I realized how off that statement was. Because if you study your Bible, kings don't go to prophets. Prophets go to kings. So this thirst was so radical, Demetrius. It was so crazy that it drove them to break protocol. Y'all ain't ready for me this morning. Because when you get a real God thirst in your spirit, sometimes when you get real thirsty for God, you'll start breaking protocol. In other words, you won't care what people think about you. You'll start praising God like you've lost your mind. You'll come in this room with tears coming down your face, and you won't care if there's somebody on your left or your right because you realize that if you leave this place the way you came in this place, something might die. You might not make it. So every once in a while when you get thirsty, you got to come in and say, if I break protocol, I break protocol, but I'm thirsty for the God who can satisfy me. When's the last time you broke protocol? When's the last time you were in worship and all of a sudden a hallelujah came up out of your spirit? When's the last time you were praising God and all of a sudden you ain't never jumping all of a sudden because you were thirsty. I'm not talking about a performance. I'm not talking about a show, but I'm talking about a mama who says, if my son doesn't change, if it doesn't get better with my kids, I'm talking about somebody who says, I need a healing in my body. And sometimes God will let you get thirsty just to drive you into desperation. You ever been around somebody real religious? You always know you're in a religious room when the atmosphere gets tight. That's what religion does. It tightens up the atmosphere. Oh, y'all ain't ready. You ever been around somebody who prays real religious? Oh, Heavenly Father, thine auspicious God, we give thine thee, oh, Lord, I praise. You ever been around somebody like that? It's, the atmosphere goes up. Hard to get anything done in a tight atmosphere. Y'all ain't saying anything. It's hard to get anything accomplished uh, in a religious atmosphere. Even Jesus uh, went into a real religious atmosphere, an atmosphere that had no expectation. And he, Jesus, couldn't do some things because it takes the right atmosphere to get some things done. It takes some desperate people to get some things accomplished. When you're really thirsty, you won't have time to pray religious prayers. When you get real desperate, you won't have time to make sure your makeup looks right and your shirt tail stays tucked in. When you get real desperate, you'll come in this room and say, if it smears, it smears. I got to get an answer because I'm thirsty. They broke 
protocol. Three kings coming to a prophet is not in protocol. But when you're thirsty, you bring you break protocol. They came in to the room. Let me finish this thing. They came in, and you would think, you would think with thirsty people, you would think the prophet would have been standing on the doorstep, shrouded and ready to do his greatest work. But if you come into this text, this prophet, this prophet is seven ways rude. I'll read the text. When they came to him, albeit they were thirsty, Elisha says, you lucky that I like Jehoshaphat. Because if I didn't like Jehoshaphat, read your Bible, I just read it to you. I wouldn't even look at you. I needed to read that, Anderson, because it showed me that you can be anointed and annoyed. It showed me that you can be anointed and get a little angry. It showed me that you can have all the glory and still get a little upset every once in a while. And that's what some of you are missing. Oh, hallelujah. In your faith walk is you're missing that little bit of righteous anger that says, I am sick and tired of dealing with the same stuff over and over. I'm sick and tired of dealing with this drug addiction in my family. I'm sick and tired of messing with my kid. I'm sick and tired of demonic attack. I am sick and tired. And you know what? I'm not going to let it go another day. I'm about to deal with this devil and make sure it never comes back. It is okay to be angry, the Bible says. It says be angry and sin not. Righteous anger is right. Or it wouldn't be called righteous. This prophet said, I don't even want to look at Jehoram. Why? Why doesn't he want to look at Jehoram? Because Jehoram's daddy is Ahab, and his mama is that nasty woman Jezebel. That's his mama and daddy. And Elisha's spiritual father is Elijah, and it's Jezebel. Come on, y'all. Know your Bible. And it's Jezebel and Ahab that tormented Elijah. And Elisha says, all right, you want to do this? We got to do this because I ain't going to let this go into the next generation because mamas and daddies, when you fail to fight, your kids are going to have to. What you don't come up against and say it stops here, I'm prophesying in this room. What you don't make up your mind stops today will eventually affect, and they will have to fight it greater than you ever fought it. So make up your mind today. If you got to go home and get a little angry with the devil, get a little angry with the devil and say, I don't want to see you another day. I don't even want to look at your face. In the name of Jesus, be gone. He said, if it weren't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look at you. Because Jehoram, I know who you are. Uh-huh. I know what you do. If you study history and you study Bible, you would realize Jehoram is up in the northern kingdom. And he likes Yahweh. But the only reason he has Yahweh is just so he can placate to believers for political reasons. Because over here, as much as he's got a little bit of Yahweh, he's also got idol worship and calf worship and all this stuff going on. And so he likes to manipulate whatever he can manipulate to get what he wants. And before you say, get him, God, please know that there's a little Jehoram in all of us. 
a little Jehoram in all of us that says, God, I'll do whatever it takes for you to fix it, but please don't transform me. Oh, I'll come in this room, fix my situation, but don't change me. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I know, I know it's tough because some of us don't have a relationship with God. We have an obligation to Sunday. Some of us do not burn for God. We have an obligation to the last day of the week. And our relationship is not with him, it's with church. How do you know that? Because in the text, he says, go pray to your mamas and your daddy's prophets. In other words, he said, go pray to what you've been serving all week long. Oh, it's quiet and it's hard, but it'll help you today. Because in this age, in this time, God is wooing his people back to deep and fervent and burning and passionate relationship with him by which there is no mixture and there is no compromise and there is no manipulation. There is simply him and him alone. He wants to fill all things so he can be all things to his people. Jehoram, you lucky. You are lucky that Jehoshaphat's here because Jehoshaphat, king of Judah is a righteous king. It shows me, can I go deeper and be done? It shows me the power of one. It shows me that one right in a crowd of wrong can still get God to do some great things in that place. Oh, that's for every person who's in a household with some crazy people who ain't saved. And you're going, I'm the only one that believes like I believe in my whole family. Let me tell you, God is so good. He'll look at one right and bless one right and let the overflow of what's right flow into everything that's wrong. People ought to be blessed just by being next to you. I call it cup and saucer is what I call it. Cup and saucer. The Bible says, the Bible says that he fills my cup. He's the one that fills my cup to overflowing. Because in this in the world we live in, you're either the cup or you're the saucer. You're either the one that perpetuates the blessing. Or you're the one that receives it by byproduct of being next to somebody who is the cup. But I believe I'm in a room. I feel like preaching, y'all. I believe I'm in a room with some people today who have made up their mind. I got to be the cup. I got to be the cup. I got to be the cup. I want him to flow everywhere he can flow to every place he can flow. In fact, you ain't even ready for ministry until you can be the cup. Until you can generate this in your car on Tuesday. Oh, you don't give me. Because there are some of us, whether we had these seats in this building, we could get this same atmosphere in our bedroom on a Wednesday evening. Are you hearing me this morning? The prophet says, you have annoyed me beyond being annoyed. He said, so much so, you have messed up my atmosphere. You, you, ever been, you ever been around somebody? Don't look at them. Amen. Who, who, who just being around them messes up the atmosphere around you? And you always know who they are, not by how you feel when you meet them, but by how you feel when you leave them. You always know who messed up your atmosphere by what happens whenever you leave that person because before you believed God could do anything, but after spending some time with them, you're just not sure anymore. Can I tell you in 2021, you do not have time 
to have conflicting atmospheres in your life. I'm telling you, love everyone. Be kind to everyone. Let your cup overflow to everyone. But be careful who gets in your sphere of influence, who gets in your, oh, hallelujah, your atmosphere, because the wrong attitude and the right atmosphere can mess up every right atmosphere. He said, you done messed me up. Can I put that? That's the Josh version. That ain't the King James. He said, you done messed me up. He said, so much so that for me to make this right, I'm finishing right here. He said, bring me the musician. He said, why? Because I got to get my atmosphere right. Not even, oh, hallelujah. I feel the anointing. I feel burning all over me. Let, let me. let me tell you, you do know that not people singing, it wasn't even lyrics. It was just the music alone that changed the entire atmosphere of this text. Play a little something. Play a little something. Let me show you what I mean. Just play some. Play some. Let, let, watch, watch, watch what it does. Watch. He said, bring me the musician. I got to get my atmosphere right. Well, y'all sense what's happening. It's already happening. You see what happens? In the right atmosphere. In the right atmosphere. I feel him, y'all. Let's slip up your hands for just a second. Add to the atmosphere. Open up your mouth for just a second. Add to the atmosphere. Come on, somebody just worship him right there in your seat. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Watch what happens when you just worship for a second. He said, give me, give me the right atmosphere. Come on, I don't know what you need, but just start worshiping for just a second. Watch what happens in this room. Watch what happens in your seat. What, what, watch what happens in your row if you just worship for a second. Oh, do you realize in the right atmosphere, God can heal your body right now. In the right atmosphere, God can deliver you and touch you. In the right atmosphere, in the right atmosphere, everything is possible and nothing is impossible in the right atmosphere. Do you feel that? He said, how to get my atmosphere right. And all of a sudden, oh, I feel it. I don't know who I'm talking to in this room. But atmosphere is changing even right now in this room. Watch what he says. I'm done. In the right atmosphere. The Bible says that the hand of the Lord came and the spirit of prophecy set on the prophet in the right atmosphere. When you get the right atmosphere, you won't get sermons, you'll get words. And the right atmosphere, I just won't be up, up, up here talking and preaching. You'll hear divine communication from heaven if you create the right atmosphere. You do realize that the, your job is to help create atmosphere in this room. It's not just my job to stand up here and yell in the worship team. You got to help participate in atmosphere. And he said, watch this, in the spirit of prophecy, watch what he says, in the right atmosphere, make this valley full of ditches. Wait a second. Wait a second. The Lord said, make the valley full of ditches. Can you see those three kings? We didn't come here for work. We came here for water. We came here for water. Work. 
We want to be blessed. Heaven says, work. We want the next big thing. Dig. We want you to do it bigger than you've ever done it. Prepare. Y'all let me, come on. Make this valley full of ditches. It is not time for you to want without work because faith, faith without works is dead to God. God says, I am about to open up the heavens and I'm about to do something on my timeline that is so profound and so prolific in the earth. But I am looking for a people who understand that I am just about to pour. So that means right now has to be a time of preparation. And God says, I'm not handing you a blessing. I'm giving you a shovel. I want you to hear me prophetically. God is giving us an opportunity to dig. He is giving you a moment to prepare because the truth is God is not letting you determine what's on his timeline anymore. This is go time in the body of Christ. I know it's old school preaching, but Jesus is coming back soon. Let me say it because I know other preachers won't. Jesus is coming back very, very soon. The signs of the times are all around us. He is coming. He is coming. He is coming. And before he comes, he's about to pour. But before he pours, he's looking for a people who will dig. Are you digging? What is digging? Digging is preparing. Digging is creating room. Digging is making capacity. Let me go more practical. Digging is learning what you've never learned so you can do what you've never done. Digging is stepping out in faith like you've never stepped out in faith because when God gets ready to call you to dig, he hands you a shovel. Well, what's his shovel? The Bible says two men, oh, I feel the anointing, y'all. Two men built their houses, one on sand, one on the rock, and your Bible says a little missed detail that one of them dug until he hit the rock because sometimes the brokenness you feel it's not a devil, it's a shovel. Because the shovel is not a shovel. The shovel is God's word in your life. And if you want to go places you've never gone and get what you've never gotten, you're going to have to be a lover of the word of God. Because every time you use a promise, you're going to dig up something new and it's going to create room to receive. Why would God give it to you if there is no room for it? Can you imagine if Adam asked for more breath than his lungs could hold? If God would have breathed what Adam wanted without Adam having the capacity, what would have been a blessing would have killed Adam. And the reason why some of us prophetically hear me have not stepped into the things God has promised us and predetermined because in the season of preparation, we have not dug a single thing. Well, how much water are you going to send? How much ditch are you going to dig? 
How much water are you going to release, God? How much ditch can you dig before I send the water? Oh, I feel the anointing. Do you realize even as a church, I feel God, we have to dig now. This is a digging moment in the body of Christ. We have to prepare for what God is about to send. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is plenteous. But where are the laborers who know how to dig so God can send? Stand to your feet, everybody. Oh, I feel the anointing. Oh. Can you dig it? That's what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. Can you dig it in this window? Can you take what he's given you and work it in this window? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Slip up your hands. I feel the anointing. Come on, I don't know what God's told you. I don't know what he's promised you, but I dare you right now with your worship, with your worship. Come on, pick up that shovel and start digging. Open up your mouth in this room. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it, woman of God? Can you dig it for your family? Can you dig it for your body? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? It's closer than what you think. Look up here, Pastor Josh. It was so odd to read this text because Pastor John, he told them to dig. He said, dig it. The problem is, if you read your Bible, they're already in a valley. What's a valley? A big ditch. He is asking them to dig a ditch in an already dug ditch. What does that mean? That means what he's about to send is greater than your current capacity could hold. Remember, God is a gap filler. Y'all ain't saying nothing. God is a gap filling God. God is the kind of God who's looking for room uh, and he's looking for space uh, because God wants to fill all things. Uh, now you see why I started the sermon off because what they're doing is they are saying, God, we have room and because we have room, come fill the space. Hear me. What God is about to send is going to be so profound and so prolific that if you choose to hold the shovel but not dig the ditch, you are going to miss out on the greatest revival this world has ever seen. But we must dig this ditch. We must prepare. You got to prepare yourself to serve like you've never served. Prepare yourself to lead. This is not the season for you to sit on the sidelines. This is the time for you to get to work because he's coming back and he's about to pour out. I close with this. Anybody get anything from this today? The minute he saw that they were willing to dig. Watch what he says. You will not see the wind. Shoo, y'all. This is good to my soul today. You won't see the wind. You won't see the rain. Watch this. Because what I'm about to do ain't gonna come from natural sources. This blessing you won't even see coming. It's going to be so big and so prolific 
that if I see the ditch, it's going to hit you out of nowhere. You're going to go to sleep one night with everything wrong and wake up with everything right. I don't know who I'm talking to. You're going to go to bed sick and you're going to get up well. You're going to go to bed depressed and you're going to get up with joy unspeakable. You're going to go to bed with rebellious kids and kids who are, and you're going to wake up with kids saying, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. What do you need me to do? God is about to do something that no natural source can do. He's about to be a supernatural gap filling big God who knows how to respond to space. And if I got anybody in the room that says, God, send the water, send the rain, lift up your hands, open up your mouth, and somebody in the morning on vacation two weeks ago and I was awakened out of a dead sleep with a whisper that said can you dig it it's not if he has the water is it can I dig the ditch there are two types of people in this room those that will dig and receive and retain and drink and prosper and get their strength back and get what they need and then there will be those who have heard the word had the shovel and never dig which one will you be says the Lord today is a day of decision you feel that in this room right now there is a prophetic wind blowing in this room Real soft for a second. They dug, he filled. Because God's a gap filler. Moab got up. King of Moab looked down. And because of the way the sun, read your Bible, the sun was hitting the water, he thought it was blood. He said, look, they fought each other. And there's the blood spill. Let us go down and get the rest. What he didn't understand was that God had so filled it that they drink, their animals drink, everybody drink, and when they went down there, they were not fighting a depleted three armies. 
they were fighting over fresh three armies and those three armies whooped up on that king of Moab so bad that the Bible said it was utter victory. Let me tell you, your enemy made a mistake in this season by leaving you alive because this water is going to be, be so refreshing that the enemy's not going to want to fight you refreshed. I know that COVID made us tired. I know that situations made you weary, but here comes the water of refreshment that's going to let you fight in 2021 and win in 2021. And if you believe you're about to win, like you've never won before in 2021 great strength and great victory somebody shout like you've already won in the name of Jesus shout 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 wait a second I'm gonna pray a closing prayer Anderson get ready but part of preparation it's knowing that you've already won before you've won. That's part of preparation. Our shout in churches is not so you get goosebumps. It is a declaration that we have prepared enough for God to fight this battle and win for us. So we're going to shout one time real big. And I don't know what you need God to do and what you need God to feel and what you need God to be. But this would be a good season for you to say, I'm going to go do for you, God. And as you bless me, I'll continue to give you shouting victory, a praise of victory. Are you ready? On the count of three. Come on, this is the moment. One, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I declare for Calvary, souls are coming in as we dig ditches. I declare, God, we're going to win more lost. We're going to see the captives set free, too. On the count of three, if you're ready for God to fill the ditch and victory to belong to you, one, Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be a part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can give at calvaryfl.com give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also for you to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. Again, thank you for joining us.